This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Christ sacrificed Himself for our sin in order that, again, our sin could be forgiven. And He calls upon us to come before Him. So the first thing He says, man, enter in. Enter in through faith into a relationship with Christ. But for every believer, He still desires that you and I would find an abundance of peace. An abundance of peace when we are surrounded by the knowledge of the greatness of that love. In the Gospel of Mark, we read, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? This verse vividly expresses the point in today's teaching. See, it doesn't matter what this world has to offer us, fame, wealth, or notoriety. None of it means anything if you lose your soul. That's why we can't use these things as measurements of success. Success isn't what we gain in this life. Success is obtained when we submit to God and allow Him to rule and reign in our lives. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 16, for the conclusion of our message entitled, A true success. You said we leak. Does that mean we're going to lose the Holy Spirit? I said, no, no, that's not what I mean at all. What I do mean is that we leak that empowering. We leak from the anointing. The reality of the Holy Spirit, He remains in our life. He is the seal. He is the promise. He is the down payment of God in our life for our salvation. No, we don't lose the Holy Spirit, but we definitely are drained from that powering, that anointing in our lives. You and I cannot be used powerfully by God when we're running on last week's anointing. We can't be uh, even going forward in our Christian life if we're living on yesterday's empowering. We need a day-by-day infilling, refilling baptism of the Holy Spirit within our lives in order that He can and will and does work within our lives with all of the might and all of the power that He has available for us to live our lives. We need to be continually strengthened with might through him by that refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he says in verse 17, he says that my prayer for them is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And again, at first, this looks like a a strange request. What do you mean that Christ would dwell in their hearts? Don't they already have Christ in their lives? Aren't they believers that he's writing to? I believe that the Holy Spirit led Paul to use specific and an interesting choice of words here. You see, there's a difference between dwelling and abiding. To abide means to to stand, to remain, or to stay in a given place. And again, Christ abides within our lives. But when he says dwell, it's a specific word, and that word has more the connotation of making yourself at home. That Christ would make himself at home within our lives. The reality is, is probably many believers, that though Christ might abide within them, that Christ isn't fully allowed to make himself at home within their lives. And you know the difference. You know people who would come to your house, they are abiding in your house. But there's only a few people probably that you allow in your house and you say, hey, make yourself at home. Some come into your house and they're there and you're just kind of watching the clock to see, I wonder when they're going to leave. 
But there's others that come into your home and you say, hey, make yourself at home. You need a sandwich? Uh, we got stuff in the fridge. Go ahead. Make yourself at home. Feel comfortable here. You are free within this place. My house is your house. Mi casa es su casa. Again, come and enjoy this time. The difference between those two of making themselves at home. It wasn't too long ago that I drew your attention to a sermon or a message by a Presbyterian pastor by the name of Robert Munger. He was a pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Berkeley, California, way back in the 50s. In 1954, he gave a message to his church that became so popular that it came out in printed form. And they printed over 10 million copies of this. And the Billy Graham Association used that little pamphlet, that little booklet, multiple times, giving them out as encouragement for believers. The title of his message and the title of that little pamphlet is called, My Heart Christ's home. It was from that, this very passage in Ephesians that he was speaking about, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that Munger spoke of surrendering every room of his life over to Christ. He shared about how after uh, his conversion, allegorically, he walked with Christ room by room throughout every aspect of his life, considering what Christ desired of him and from him. Again, in this very short booklet, the booklet's only about 32 pages long, but as he goes around, goes through, he tells of going into the living room. He says, and there in the living room was going to be the place that I would meet Christ daily. And as Christ came into the living room of my life, he saw on the bookshelves many things that were not honoring to him. Many things that were actually pulling away from the closeness of fellowship in my life with Christ. He saw things hanging on the wall that drew my attention away from the focus of Christ. And he allowed me, he again directed me to remove these things that were so distracting in my walk and to fill them with things that would honor and glorify him. All of these worldly distractions removing and bringing in those things that would cause my focus to be on Christ. He says, next we went into the dining room. And there in the dining room, again, examining together with Christ the appetites and the fleshly desires that should or should not control him. Those things, as Munger says, that fed his life, things like uh, worldly success, things like the pleasures of man, the applause of man, and how these things, as they fed his life, again were destructive to his life and to his walk in Christ, and how Christ desired to change his appetite in his life to be seeking after those things that would glorify him. He says in his booklet that together they even explored those hidden, those secret closets in his life. Those areas that only Christ could clean out. It's only when they had gone through each room of his life that Munger gave the keys of his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he declared, here it is, all that I am and have forever. Now you run the house and I'll just remain with you as a servant and a friend. How that ought to be our lives as believers. How that ought to be the reality and the truth of our lives as believers. That I am not my own. I am bought with a price. 
I don't direct my life. I don't lead my life. I seek the Lord's leading in every aspect of my life. I seek the direction of God's word in my life. I seek the fullness of his spirit in my life to cause me to make the correct choices, to follow the right steps in my life. Paul prays that Christ would dwell, take up residence, to be at home in their hearts through that work of faith. The next thing he requests in his prayer, he says that being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18 continues, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. I love it how Paul, throughout his writings, he uses terms that people could connect with. Jesus did the same thing whenever Jesus spoke with the people. He used terms that they could connect with, that they could understand clearly. Now, it's, it's believed that Paul was a man of great intellect. We see in the Scriptures that he was able to debate the men there on Mars Hill, that he was able to, to stand before the Pharisees and the Sadducees to be able to debate and discuss the laws of Israel and, again, all of their tradition. He was able to boldly stand before governors and kings, again, giving reason for the hope that's within him. And yet, with all of that depth of knowledge, when he communicated with the people, he spoke and he wrote in terms that we could understand. And that's the best kind of teacher, isn't it? That has a vast array of knowledge, and yet is able to, as they say, put the cookies on the bottom shelf, so that we could all eat of it, that we could all take from it. You know, it does no one any good to continually be speaking up here and say, well, hopefully I'm just going to draw them up to that level. The problem is, is you'll lose them. Paul writes in a way that we can understand. And I love it when he uses phrases of being in the army. He uses phrases of being in sports. He uses phrases even of farming and gardening. And the more I garden, the more I begin to understand those kinds of phrases. And what he's speaking here when he says rooted and grounded in love, that's a horticulture term. That's a gardening term. And again, it's a phrase that's familiar within Paul's writings. He uses something very similar in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, when he says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in your faith, as you've been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. So these phrases, rooted, grounded in love, rooted and built up, established, All of these things, dealing with plants, are growing. Now, earlier, even in Ephesians, he he used terms of in a building, of of a structure. And he says that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But now he changes his metaphor into this whole gardening thing. Again, every plant needs a good root system. Something that not only continuously nourishes and feeds them, but it also grounds them. It establishes them in order that they can stand against all the storms of life. He says, I want you to be rooted. I want you to be grounded in love. Back in 2005, when Hurricane Katrina hit the southern United States, and we sent uh, teams out there two or three different times to assist in the recovery work and part of the rebuilding work. One of the things that amazed me as I went back there was to look at these huge, massive trees that were simply laid over on their side. 
And at the end of them, where their roots were, was this very wide root system, but that wasn't very shallow at all. So when the greatness of the wind came by, they weren't so well established, and they were blown over on their side. When Paul says we need to be rooted and grounded in love, he's speaking about the love of God. We need to be so firmly established, church, in the knowledge of the greatness of His love. Verse 18 and verse 19, they go on with this on one hand to tell them that the love of Christ is beyond comprehension. And yet on the other hand, He declares how much He desires that all of the saints would begin to grasp the width, the length, the depth, and the height of this great love. You know, it's when you and I begin to grasp the greatness, the vastness of His love, that suddenly we can begin to have peace in our lives. True peace with God. God knows us. He knows every aspect about us. And yet He loves us with an everlasting love. When the enemy comes against you like a flood, Meditate on the greatness of God's love for you. When you fail in your human experience, when you fail to live up either to the plan of God or to the expectations of others in your life, what you and I need to do is we need to meditate on the greatness of His marvelous love. It's easy to be defeated in this world. It's easy to be defeated when everything pulls against you. It says, see, you've failed again. You've done it again. You've fallen into that trap again. You've allowed yourself to be there again. It's so easily to be so defeated in the midst of that. And yet the greatness of God's love excels beyond all of our failures. Don't allow the enemy of your soul to drive you away from the reality of that love. Run headlong into the vastness of His love. And as I've shared with you multiple times, and I want to continue to share with you, because I continue to see Christians fail and fall backwards. When you fall, fall forward. Fall into the arms of Christ. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to be pushed back when you fall. Rush headlong into the reality of the greatness of His love. Do you think that it surprised Him that you failed? Do you think it took him out of balance when suddenly you you fell into a sin that you promised last week that you would never ever do again? Do you think these things are greater than the blood of Christ? Do you think these things are greater than the love of God for you? The enemy is going to cry out to accuse you. The flesh is going to cry out to defeat you. And the, the world is going to cry out to distract you. And all of them will declare that His love no longer covers your multitude of sins. Not your sins. Oh, it might cover His sins or her sins, but His love doesn't cover your sins. And that's the lie from the very pit of hell. The reality is, as the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from most unrighteousness. Amen? That's not true, is it? All unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And beloved, either the word is true or it's not. 
We can either stand on the firmness and on, on the steadfastness of the reality of the love of God who loved us while we were still sinners. And if he loved us while we were his enemies, how much more does he love us now that we are his children? How desperately we all need to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Back in the day, and it was a long time ago, I had to look, and it was like back in 1975, okay? I was four years old. No. <laughs> back in the day, we used to sing a little chorus. It says, Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life what more could he do? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. That's the reality of the truth of God in your life. And he knows you. He knows every aspect about you. He knows your past. He knows your present. And He knows your future. And yet still, He loves you. And beloved, in the struggles that we have in this world, when the enemy is causing us and desiring us to, to just give up and walk away from it all, the love of Christ is reaching out to us. He says, don't run from me. Run to me. Run to me. The Gospels speak of how Jesus himself, standing on the hills outside of Jerusalem, would look down on Jerusalem and say, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets, how often I desired to just reach out like a mother hen and just gather you in. He knew who they were, and yet his love extended to them. He knows your situation. He knows your condition, and his love continues to reach out to you. Church, do you comprehend the greatness, the vastness, the immeasurable, unquenchable abundance of God's love for you? He so greatly desires that if you don't know that, first of all, that you would enter into it, that you would come to a saving knowledge by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. That you would know that He knows your sin and He offers forgiveness for your sin because of the completed work of Jesus Christ. Because Christ sacrificed Himself for our sin in order that, again, our sin could be forgiven. And He calls upon us to come before Him. So the first thing He says, man, enter in. Enter in through faith into a relationship with Christ. But for every believer, he still desires that you and I would find an abundance of peace. An abundance of peace when we are surrounded by the knowledge of the greatness of that love. And that thirdly, we would continually run back to it when we fail. It is a love that passes knowledge. It's far greater than we could fully understand this side of glory. And it's at that point when you and I have been able to come according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man 
that we've allowed Christ to dwell, not simply abide in our hearts, but to make himself at home within our hearts through faith. It's when you and I have been rooted and and grounded in love. When we come to know the love of Christ that passes understanding. I believe that it's only then that you and I are going to be able to experience that fourth area. And that's to be filled with all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God in our life. What a great prayer. What a great request that is of Paul. Lord, that they would be filled with the fullness of God. It's only then that you and I can find full and complete success in our lives. In every aspect of our lives. Is when we are filled with the fullness of God. That's the success that a Christian life needs to have and needs to seek after in their lives. Being filled with the fullness of God. Can you imagine that? The fullness of God. The one who hung the universe, the one who spoke into existence everything that you and I can even begin to imagine, both in this realm as well as in the next. That the fullness of God would dwell in your hearts and lives. That we would be filled with that fullness. Do you think it would make a difference in our lives on a daily basis? Do you think that it would make a difference in our lives on on how we reacted and responded to the attacks of the world, the attacks of the flesh, the attacks of the enemy? Do you think it would make a difference in our life and the plans, the purposes, and the directions of our lives if we were really and truly filled with the fullness of God in our life? If we really and truly allowed Christ to dwell within our lives rather than simply abide? If we knew for certain the greatness of His love for us? It was so abundant, so far-reaching, so deep, so wide, so long, so high. I believe that the reason that most Christians are at best nominal in their walk is because they're ignorant of the truth and they've not taken the time to investigate the greatness of his love and then learning that to then submit themselves to that. Because, beloved, one more thing. It's one thing to know these things. But it's a whole other thing to respond to them. And that's what God's desire is for each one of us. That we would respond to the reality of the greatness of that love. That we would respond to the fullness of Christ dwelling within us. That we would respond to the fullness of God in our lives. My question to you is, are you filled with Christ Are you filled with the fullness of God in your life? Or are you filled with a lot of other things? You know, during the day, I could go and I could uh, swing down to uh, one of the fast food stores uh, or the fast food uh, restaurants and give me a big chocolate shake and uh, maybe some French fries, some good salty ones, you know. I could slam, oh, give me the, yeah, do you want to supersize that? Oh, absolutely, supersize that because I need it. And I could fill myself with all of those things. I could stop off at the donut shop down there and just kind of top it off with a donut. And uh, I would be full, wouldn't I? By the time I ate that, I would be full. And then I would go home, and my wife, Top, would have this nice meal set before me. She says, honey, I've got this great meal for you. Are you ready to eat? And I'd have to say, you know what? I'm full right now. But yet she's got a nourishing meal ready for me to eat. But yet I can't be fed by that because I've fed myself with the junk. Beloved, the same is true 
in our spiritual lives. We can fill ourselves with the junk of this world so that then the sweetness and the nourishment of the meal that he provides for us, the fullness of that relationship, it's just not as attractive anymore because I've filled myself, I've filled my time, I've filled my mind, I've filled my desires, everything with the things that the world has to offer. Beloved, maybe it's time we go on a fast. We go on a fast of the things of this world. We seek the things of God in our lives in order that we might know the fullness of God. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David will continue verse by verse through the book of Ephesians next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to The Open Word Facebook page. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on The Open Word, subscribe to our Twitter feed at The Open Word Radio. You can subscribe to The Open Word Podcast at TheOpenWord.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. The Open Word Podcast is always available and completely free. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. And to become our Facebook friend, follow the Open Word Twitter feed, or to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next study of Pastor David's teaching through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on The Open Word.